Welcome to Bible News Press. Our goal is to discuss biblical faith beyond cliches and buzzwords, whether such words are religious or political. Sometimes we sit around the table and fellowship. Sometimes we do a little time travel. It is all part of our journey with our Abba Father, who has given us the key to life. We do it with Jesus, and we do it together. Welcome. Hi, I'm Laura, and today I am doing a summary of our five, our discussion of our five of Learn the Bible in 24 Hours by Chuck Missler, which goes over Exodus through Deuteronomy. One of the first questions that was brought up is, how does an Assyrian get to be Pharaoh? Some people had heard that it had been through conquering Egypt, so an Assyrian took on the title of Pharaoh. There was some frustration expressed that so much of this hour or chapter was spent on Joseph when there were so many other things to cover, but then he is constraining himself to a certain time period to tie things together, and Joseph is presented as a type of Christ. The feasts were also gone over quickly, and someone recommended a book called The Seven Feasts of Israel by Zola Levitt, and I will try to put a link to that on the blog. Chuck Missler did spend quite a bit of time talking about the camp diagram, as it was described, with the tabernacle in the center, and the symbolism of that is interesting, that the main symbols or animals that represented the four sides of the camp as they're gone around the tabernacle correspond to the four faces of the cherubim, and the proportions of these numbers of the camps uh, do fall in line with what would work for a cross, but we had a little bit of trouble believing that the people stayed all lined up and didn't spread out in basically a circle around the tabernacle. When we were talking about the Jewish feasts, someone brought up that the feasts are associated with so many signs and fulfillment of prophecies and uh, has been recorded that they tend to correspond with eclipses. And we looked up the website BibleDefended.com, which I will also try to put a link to in on the blog as someplace that talks about that. Uh, we talked about the fact that the Hebrews should have known when the Messiah was going to be there uh, based on the scriptures, based on everything that was laid out in the feasts. And we talked about the fact that the Jewish calendar has 360 days a year and a leap month. This is interesting because of how the timing of the feast is supposed to occur and how when you get the weeks of years, you get the year of Jubilee, and all of that is contained in this section of the Bible. Getting back to Moses, we mentioned that he was a murderer, which is why he had run away from Egypt and then was in the desert to see the tree on fire, which uh, according to tradition, was probably an acacia tree, probably with thorns. And that is particularly interesting to consider when thorns were one of the promises of the curse. And also Jesus wore the crown of thorns through no doing of his own. It was Romans mocking him, and yet they were also playing into prophecy and type without knowing it. We discussed how Moses got into such big trouble for hitting the rock on the second time because he should have known that God had good reasons for different instructions and possibly messed up, in a manner of speaking, a type that God was trying to put together. And then 
mentioned John 19.31, talking about the breaking of legs uh, when Jesus was on the cross was done for the Sabbath, and that's when his side got pierced. And all of this coming down to uh, the question that Missler brings up, will the feast and their timing have any bearing on when the rapture will happen? And as we got into the discussion of numbers and realizing that the name numbers in English seems to be a bit of a mistranslation that was passed on, and that really the original Hebrew title has more to do with the wilderness wanderings and God basically giving the Jews what they wanted when they said, would that we had died in Egypt. And so he let their carcasses fall in the wilderness, pretty strong language there. This goes along with the idea that the Bible has some pretty serious stuff in it, and so many times in Sunday school they leave out the pictures of the people drowning in the flood or the different very catastrophic things happening. We highlighted the fact that Caleb kept his strength, and then as we were talking about the law a little bit more, uh, the, the, the reason that it was there separating good from evil and wondering how arbitrary did it seem to the Hebrews, uh, but then realizing that the idea of clean and unclean was at least mentioned at the time of the flood as well, so it shouldn't have been totally new to them. This led into a little bit of discussion about the idea of lost knowledge or different cultures having different knowledge, and knowledge is not just always being gained, and a website for researching that sort of thing is AnswersInGenesis.com. As we were specifically talking about Passover, we were noticing that as much as it's talked about as a Jewish or Hebrew national holiday, that the original Passover was not saving them because of their heritage. They also had to be under the blood. They had to follow the directions, and if an Egyptian had had faith to do that, they would have also been saved. There was some of the normal discussion about Pharaoh's heart being hardened and if that was fair or not, and we referred to Romans 9, 10, and 11, where it talks a lot about that. And then getting back to the fact that some pretty horrible stuff happened to the Hebrews when they were wandering, the uh, whole story of the brazen serpent and its symbolism are pretty intriguing. And it emphasizes the idea that you need to look at the Bible as a whole versus just studying it topically. Someone mentioned that they had read a book that gave a mechanical translation of Genesis in Hebrew and then tried to show the English a little bit more put together. And the main thing that was mentioned in that is that Adonai, one of the names for God, is plural. Somehow or another, that got us to talking about translation issues that have come up with the idea of wine in the New Testament in particular, when it talks about Jesus turning the water into wine, and that there was no refrigeration in those days. So it was very unlikely that they just squeezed a bunch of grape juice ahead of time for the wedding, and also that it talked about the wine, the good wine being saved until people were already merry. In getting back to specifics of Exodus through Deuteronomy, we talked about metalworking and where did it come in history, and it is mentioned before the flood. And then to kind of summarize, what was interesting about the whole 24-hour discussion as we're having it is that it clears up things that are murky and gives greater understanding into the true nature of God that does not change. Sometimes in the past, people have had an 
different view of how God is presented in the Old Testament versus the New Testament. But when you read the whole Bible together, you can see that he is actually very consistent. It comes down to the problem that the Israelites had. They had a lot of evidence, but they still complained and wouldn't see what God was showing them right in front of their faces. They had the Shekinah glory. They had the 10 plagues. They had crossing the Red Sea, but they chose not to pay attention to those things and to still complain. So that generation didn't receive the promise. Of course, I can't cover everything as thoroughly in this little summary as we did in our about two hours of discussion, but hopefully it gets you thinking about some things. Now, I've really enjoyed reading the whole book of Genesis aloud on the podcast, so I'm going to be attempting to start on this next section, but you can see that Hour 5 covers a lot of books of the Bible, so we'll have to see how I do with that before we get on to the next discussion. That is the Bible News Press segment for today, but not the end of our journey.